sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Get on the grid. It is the early line. Keith Irizarry, Kevin Walsh with you. Cruising along on this Monday morning, going through the gauntlet of the NFL week. And we got Monday Night Football tonight. We'll dive into that a little bit later in the show double back to saturday because i was getting text messages kevin tom brady is back buccaneers <laughs> offense is back all right so so yes tom brady looked awesome so yes he only needed a half to do it but oh by the way it was the detroit lions who just are not good at football but let's let's talk about the good stuff uh, tom brady did look like an nfl qb again and, and looks like someone that could lead a team in the playoffs this is the one thing that I always try and do, right, is, is when a team that is a playoff contender, wherever they let right in the pecking order, and they play one of these really bad teams, and they win big, right? How many teams beat the Lions by 40 this year, right? So at the end of the day, yeah, they played the Lions, but they did their job. And they did their job to a degree. I mean, Keith, when was the last time a quarterback got benched at half because the game was so far out of reach? I can't remember. I, really remember I mean, I know Lamar wasn't playing fourths last year. Like, that Brady stat line is a halftime of work. 22 of 27, 348, and four scores. That is that is phenomenal. Because at the end of the day, kind of something that we were talking about before with calling people trash, like, those are still NFL players on the other side of the field, right? And this team now is in a rhythm. A B's finding the end zone. Brady and Mike Evans look like they're figuring out. Godwin also gets a score in this game. Uh, you know, Bob Gronk ends up catching uh, a couple as well. I mean, Blaine Gabbert's first drive was a touchdown to Gronkowski. They are clicking on all cylinders from this game. The Bucks are a team, though, that I have been telling people since they hit their bye, be careful buying everything with this team because the game against the Vikings was the first one. It didn't look great, and you maybe thank Dan Bailey for it. The Falcons day, and they were down 17-0. But bless the Falcons and their ability to lose games in just ridiculous fashions. Here's the Lions. Yeah, they did win by 40, but it's the Lions, to be fair. And then they're going to close out with the Falcons. They're going to probably win out here, which is impressive. And it's still the NFL, and it's hard to win four games in a row. But you take it for what it is. You take the context of it all. And I'm not going to run and tell people that, oh, Tampa's the hottest team in football. I don't view it that way. Yeah, you got to look at who is on that list of teams you beat. And I think you're right. But I do believe when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, like I can almost go back to what the Steelers have, right? Where the Steelers, we know they have talent, but we're playing terrible. The Buccaneers, we know they have talent. Now, Tom Brady suddenly, you know, first, whatever it was, eight games, 10 games of the season. Couldn't throw the deep ball. The risk it biscuit mm -hmm. was not working for him. <laughs> him and Bruce Arians leading tour. It, it's going to be a divorce. It's going to be terrible. And, and now maybe these two are becoming a little bit more cohesive. And, and you brought it up 
all of these wide receivers and Gronkowski and, and mix them all in, if Brady's spreading the ball around to them, so much better for this offense. And, and at some point, they'll get Ronald Jones back. He'll be back in the fold. Uh, Leonard Fournette can kind of, you know, be a little bit more of the secondary piece, not the lead dog there. And I think that's better for Tampa Bay. Want to welcome in all of our radio audiences. We thank you so much for spending some time with us on this Monday morning. It is the early line. I am Keith Arizari. He is Kevin Walsh as we continue to break down week 16 of the NFL. And we're going to move along now to the Dolphins and the Raiders. And for the first two and a half, maybe three quarters, Kevin, this game was terrible. It was a snooze fest. I was ready to go to bed. I My alarm clock for Sunday morning is always set for about 4.15 in the morning uh, because I get up for, for CBS that day. And I'm, I was a little bit tired on Sunday, but I'm glad I stayed up for it because it was an exciting end. I don't even believe what I watched in this game. In every every single thing that none of it made sense. And I, w- I want to take Vegas to task for that decision to not score. Just score the darn touchdown. Just are you? Have you seen your defense? A field goal beats you. It's not that far. Like you gotta be, you can't be making that decision to pull up short there. Go into the end zone, and they didn't. And now that missed extra point by Carlson looms large. I get it, but that was a ridiculous decision from the Raiders. And the stretch for this team to close out the year is one that is so bad that I mean, I know Gruden signed a contract that might keep him there until you know twenty fifty, but. We got to start having conversations. They can't keep collapsing to end every single season. On the other side of the field, Keith, this Tua stuff blows my mind. When they made that decision many, many weeks ago to bench fits for Tua, because Tua was the future and that's what was right for the team, that to me was a decision that said, we are choosing the growth and development of our young quarterback over making the playoffs. And in my opinion, you cannot have it both ways. And they are attempting to have it both ways. And you cannot tell me that players in that Dolphins locker room, when they now march into Week 17, needing a win to lock themselves into the playoffs, are okay with sending Tua Tungavailoa out there when you have to go to fits when things look bad. That is unfair to the rest of those players. It's not easy to make the playoffs in the NFL, and they are sending out a lesser quarterback, and everybody knows it. The concept of a closer that now Brian Flores is talking about, right? Like two is still our starting QB, but Fitzpatrick will come in if we need it. That's not an NFL thing. And listen, let's not knock Brian Flores. He may very well end up being the coach of the year, but he has made some odd choices this season for the Miami Dolphins. A lot of it has worked. I think there's a little bit more meat on this phone. Let, let's continue talking some Dolphins and some Raiders. When we get back, it's Keith and Kevin, early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Even Kevin with you on the early line. Uh, got to double back. We we got to go back to this Dolphins and Raiders game because I think there's, there, there's more things to discuss there. We'll talk Miami in a second, but... 
The Vegas Raiders, and Kevin, you talked about take the points when they're when they're there. And this isn't a, a first guess or, or a second guess. This isn't any of that. But at the time, I, I literally was texting with a buddy of mine, and I said, once Daniel Carlson had missed that extra point, if you're going to kick the field goal here, you're now saying that we're only going to go up by two and a field goal the other way if something crazy happens beats us. And my buddy was like, oh, how's that going to happen? I'm like, because it's the NFL and sometimes yeah. crazy things happen. I Like, I get it. You didn't want to give Miami the ball with 59 seconds left if you ran the touchdown in with Josh Jacobs. You'd rather give them the ball with whatever it was, 17 or 19 seconds. But I'll be it. Gruden's mistake ended up costing the Raiders and, and essentially ended their season. And let's go back to what Gruden said when he first took that job, Kevin. He said, if I can't help us win, then I'm not accepting their money. What I want to know, is John Gruden going to start giving back some of his salary? Yeah, I think it might be time, John. I tell, I tell, I tell you what, Mr. Gruden, it ain't working. And we can talk about a Vegas Raiders roster that needed to be revamped and him and Mayock are trying their best. I get it. Last year, they lost five of their last six games. And the two most notable was a trip to MetLife to play the Jets where they got ran off of the field by still what was an underperforming Jets team and a game where it was the final game in the black hole. And they choked it away against the terrible Jaguars team. And if had they won that game, I think they would have controlled their own destiny over the final two weeks. They lose five of six last year. And now where are we? Well, another scenario where they've lost five of their last six games, eliminated from the playoffs. And you look at those games. Okay, you lose to the Chiefs. I get it. You were competitive the whole way. Except you make the cardinal sin of sports. You buy your own press clippings after a loss. You can't do it, and the Falcons blow you out. You should have lost to the Jets again, but at least Greg Williams put the signal on and let you guys win that game. Embarrassed by the Colts in Vegas. The Chargers game, what a mess of all messes. And then here in Miami... Three games in a row in Vegas. So many opportunities to turn this ship back around. And they just never answered the bell. But Both sides of the ball disappointing. It's an unacceptable performance. Gruden's supposed to be this mastermind. I, I don't get it. it. You know, it's almost like with the Eagles. We were talking about that in hour number one with Miles Sanders, right? Like, you know he's talented. You know he's running the ball well. Why aren't you running yeah. with him more? Josh Jacobs, unless he's really legitimately banged up and hurt and, and, and the Raiders don't want to let us know, I don't understand why they don't use this guy more and and ride his back, especially knowing that Derek Carr wasn't able to move at all coming off the groin injury. We weren't even sure if dude was going to play. I think the Raiders have salted away a great opportunity to be in the postseason. And John Gruden, you, you said it once again. He has failed this organization. Let's go back over to the Miami Dolphins, the team that ended up coming back to beat them. Because... Yeah. This concept of a closer is not something we've ever seen in the NFL. And the broadcast team kept telling us, beating us ahead on Saturday night, that there's no fracture in the locker room. Everybody's excited about having both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But Kevin, you've been around the game for a long time as well. Huh. Isn't the old adage, if you have two QBs, you really don't have a QB? So how, is, how, like, how can this work 
if they do find their way into the postseason. This doesn't work. This doesn't work. This is ridiculous. This is not a thing. There's no such thing as a closer at the quarterback position. Like, I understand when you're trying to figure out who your starting quarterback is, right? You know, you said it, right? If you have two, you don't have one. It's week 16. We know who the better quarterback is for this team. You don't want to play him because you drafted the other quarterback with the fifth selection in the draft. And that's fine. That happens. You make long-term decisions. Because I said a while ago here on this show that maybe the Dolphins, with that shiny Texans pick that's going to land, say, somewhere in the top six, want to reconsider the future of their quarterback position. And they want immediate answers on Tua because they're going to be impatient. And the thing is, it's not crazy. Ask Josh Rosen if it's wild that a team moves on from somebody immediately. It's not. It happens. Haskins had a cup of coffee with that starting job in Washington. Wentz got paid a record-breaking contract, and then months later, they drafted a quarterback in the second round. Quarterbacks go like this. So I understand if they wanted to get the answers on to immediately. You're not letting yourselves get the full answers. You need to let him finish that game against Denver. You need to let him finish this game against Vegas. And if you lose and miss the playoffs, you can say, well, we saw what we had in Tua. Or we saw we we want to move into next season with this guy as our quarterback, as our franchise quarterback. Keith, the only answer I have is that this team has a loss against Denver where I have to now start to think to myself, had Fitz quarterback the whole game, they don't lose, and they're still alive for the AFC East title. It's confusing for you know people like you and me. It's confusing for the fans, but I actually think that it's just confusing for the Dolphins. I, you know, when you laid it out like that, it's got me thinking. I think they're unsure. I do. I think that mm-hmm. there are probably people in that organization that are like, all right, I think we might have made the wrong decision. With Tua, he may not, may not be the guy going forward. But then I also think that there's upper management that's pushing Brian Flores to to utilize Tua as much as possible to try to figure this out, which is hard for a young coach who sees, like, the playoffs are right there. I can grab you. You're right there. And now I have to make decisions based on what <laughs> my bosses are telling me. Let, let's, let, let's throw this, too. I think Flores has done a good job, you know, the running back situation has been murky at times and, and miles Gaskin was on the COVID list. He was injured. He comes back, looked great on Saturday night. You, you bring in Savan Ahmed that most people couldn't even say his name coming into the year. He had a couple mm-hmm. of good games. You you got rid of Jordan Howard. Devonte Parker has been a shell of himself from last year, having the breakout season yet. Miami does find themselves right in the thick of things uh, for the postseason. So I think the dolphins are moving in the right direction but they're not sure what that direction is per se. Let's go back to Mahomes and Rodgers. We talked about it a little bit in our number one, as we now see the FanDuel book and and we sit there and you go, Aaron Rodgers now at minus money to, to be your league MVP Mahomes interception yesterday, maybe uh, clouds his view on, on what he can do heading towards an MVP. When I crunch some of the numbers on these two guys, it really is insanely close when you're talking about two elite quarterbacks. One is obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer. One, if everything goes well, will probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, I think Mahomes might make the first ballot at this point already. I I mean, (laughs) but 
at the end of the like Mahomes was on a trajectory, and I kept mentioning when you just looked at what the odds said: three years as a starter, two regular season MVPs, two Super Bowl wins, and two Super Bowl trophies. Now. The Super Bowl win is more important, and the Super Bowl MVP is great, and those are still the favored outcomes on the board. But there is a reason why they say this is why we play the game, because you never know what's going to happen here. And Mahomes has lost the grip of this award. And that's important, not just because of the award and the significance of Aaron Rodgers being able to win another one, but him losing control of that MVP award while they're still winning games, justifies anybody that lists concerns over the way this team is playing. They are winning despite Mahomes not playing his best brand of football. And that's why the Chiefs are a team that I would say, Keith, I am not going to be picking against very likely in the playoffs, but they are far from an unbeatable team, which at times they felt like. Yeah, we're always looking for that lock, and the Chiefs are not the lock. The crazy thing is Mahomes, we, we, we sit here and say not playing his best football. Maybe he's not, but still first in passing yards on the season. But Aaron Rodgers got a lot of good numbers as well. Looks like Aaron Rodgers is be cruising to an MVP. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. On a Monday morning, Keith Irizarry, Kevin Walsh with you on the early line. We've been wall-to-wall NFL, but Kev, we got to dive into a little bit of NBA action because James Harden made his season debut. The Rockets finally got a chance to play a game on Saturday. Say what you want about James Harden, and and I was on Coast to Coast all week last week, and uh, Cam and I had some fun with this and, and, and discussing just him and how he's handled everything. Let's throw that to the side for a second. Mm-hmm. Dude just drops 44 points, 17 assists, clearly even in quotes, James Harden yet. So So let's give him some love for what he can do on the floor. At the end of the day, like the reason why we are entertaining all of these other James Harden stories is because this is one of the best players in the world that is making these headlines. And I think it almost served as a nice reminder to everybody that we are not talking about the 19th best player in the world. This is one of the seven best dudes doing it. Absolutely. 44 and 17 assists to who? So who did he have 17 assists? I mean, Christian Wood looked really, really good in this game. I mean, but David Nwaba's cracking the starting lineup. P.J. Tucker checked in for 3 of 10 from the field. Like, I mean, just Sean Tate ripped off a 37-minute night. And James Harden is out there competing in Portland on a night where C.J. McCollum's going for career highs and Damian Lillard's got it working from beyond the arc. This is one of the absolute best players in the world. I know the postseason struggles. I get it. I'm not saying they don't exist. But there's a reason why Brooklyn, as good as they look and as good as that roster is, is considering a move for this guy. Why Daryl Morey is considering moving an all-NBA caliber player in Ben Simmons. Why Miami, off of an Eastern Conference championship win is considering bringing in a player like James Harden because he is worth that consideration because he's one of the absolute best in the world period. I want to get blasphemous for a second because 
Steph Curry and James Harden have pretty much seen their careers uh, on a parallel, right? Like both of them have mm -hmm. kind of risen to their highest ranks at the same time. And Steph Curry is a two-time MVP, Harden one time. Steph Curry never led the league in scoring. Harden has Steph Curry, obviously, uh, with those those rings, and James Harden hasn't gotten there. But you look at the Rockets this year, if Harden stays, and the Warriors. So Curry doesn't have the weapons around him, and Harden really doesn't have weapons around him. Harden is more built to carry a team. I think that, and it's blasphemy because Steph Curry is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. We know all of that. But Steph Curry, I know Warriors a seed in the Western Conference. I think James Harden is used to carrying teams on his back. James Harden hasn't missed the playoffs once since he's been in Houston. So yeah, he, he's not he's not even used to counting. It's not a workload that wears him down. Steph does have his injuries, and for a long time, Keith, I would ask myself, are we sure Steph is better than Harden? I, I mean, I I understand what ended up kind of being the tilting point for me is when the Warriors went at the Rockets and there was no Kevin Durant available uh, a couple of postseasons ago, and Steph still ended up getting the Rockets out of there. Now he probably did he have a better roster at the time? I don't know. The Rockets roster was good. Draymond Clay, Chris Paul, it was a maybe it was close. But the reality for James Harden is if he had all of the sudden the ability to be either, and I think the two most attractive spots for him are either Brooklyn or Miami. In Brooklyn, option B behind Kevin Durant. Or in Miami, a part of, and I, I don't know if the people are tired of hearing the word culture with them, but it's a real thing. A part of that culture where I feel like they can get through those usual James Harden struggles. He is on the very short list of players uh, of Greatest players of all time to not win an NBA championship. James Harden is going to finish very high, if not at the peak of that conversation. He is going to try and shift that conversation. That's why he is asking out. And I think the reality is the fact that Steph, a multiple-time champion, and you can have a valid conversation around that, Keith, speaks to just how good James Harden is. James Harden is a walking bucket, and... Unfortunately for him, in, in the generation that he's playing, there are other generational greats, right? Like LeBron James is one of the two or three greatest players that have ever laced up sneakers mm -hmm. and have been in the NBA. Kevin Durant finds himself in that similar situation where he's probably the second best player of this generation. He falls a little behind LeBron. Could, James Harden, unfortunately, because he hasn't won the championship, like kind of gets like, you know, poo-pooed and pushed to the side, like, oh, you're a selfish player, but he's led the league in assists per game. Even on Saturday, goes for 44 and still gets 17 assists. Now, the defensive woes, they are there. But James Harden, for all that we say about, like, Steph Curry, right, that Steph Curry kind of changed the game. He made people believe that shooting was cool. The same thing that, you know, Michael Jordan made people think that dunking was cool and LeBron and mm -hmm. Kobe carried that torch along. And, and there have been guys that have made passing cool. James Harden has made that step back that some people call a travel cool. Like my 10-year-old hmm. son literally works on the James Harden step back all of the time. And my six-year-old son now works on the James Harden step back. So if we're going to like throw it all out there, James Harden hasn't won the championship, but he's kind of changed the NBA.
He's a, he's a big part of yeah the, this past decade. No no two ways about it, and that's why I think him in another spot would be interesting. But Keith, I guess the craziest take that I have, and something that I tweeted out in all caps after this game: stay in Houston. I don't think he needs to leave. I understand. Now, I'm not saying he has a better chance to win a title with one of those Eastern Conference contenders. I'm not saying he doesn't. But they got eliminated last year, the Houston Rockets, by the LA Lakers. That team won the championship. Are we sure that the, like, if the Rockets would have been able to, and, that, and that's the problem with Fertitta, he didn't want to pay more, he didn't want to pay Mike D'Antoni, too much change. I understand him wanting out. If we get over the eye, like if somebody can beat the Lakers for the Rockets, right? You mean to tell me that this Houston team can't take down the Denver Nuggets in a seven game set if Wall and Boogie can return to an 80% level, considering how good Harden is, how good Wood looks, PJ Tucker's value? I don't, I kind of like the roster here. Eric Gordon also, three of their top five guys weren't available, and they're in Portland in overtime, entirely on Harden's back. And Harden's clearly not even in his shape. And with you, like the whole narrative of him, him not being a winner, by the way, if Chris Paul doesn't blow out his leg or his hamstring, whatever it was three years ago yeah. in game six, I, I, I believe they win, and I believe they're in the finals, and I believe that we'll see. Maybe it's a little bit different. Uh, in the yeah. NBA Finals for him. James Harden, 44 points, 17 assists. Lost in that, by the way, C.J. McCollum also went for 44. Damian Lillard had 32. On Sunday, Luka Doncic, he played awesome. Kawhi Leonard did not play. The L.A. Clippers, through the first two games of the season, looked awesome. Clearly, without Kawhi Leonard, they're going to struggle. Uh, but I love this, and for a TV audience, you're seeing this. Sunday, fun day in L.A., let's head home. That was the Mavericks uh, tweet. I love it. I This is the thing with the Clippers. Because of what they did last year, running their mouths, we, I've never seen a team do this, Keith. Just because you have the reigning finals MVP, you didn't win anything. I've never seen a team have a cha- championship attitude. People are like, yeah, this Clipper season will be different. They're not going to rest on their laurels. What were they resting on? They accomplished nothing. Pat Bev and Lou Will took a couple of games off the Warriors. The roster was different. PG was in OKC getting bounced with Damian Lillard dotting one in his eye and him going, it was still a bad shot. What a bozo. And they got bounced in embarrassing fashion. So they win opening night against the Lakers. Now LeBron didn't play the final eight minutes. It didn't look like the Lakers wanted that game. But okay, listen, you got the job done. Then the Nuggets, and that's a big, you know, monkey off the back, right? Keith, they, they have to get through that. Although both of those games, they had big 20-plus point leads, and there were moments in those games where it's like, oh, boy, this doesn't look great. You mean to tell – Kawhi Leonard ain't worth 50 points, my friend. Now, I'm not telling you that this is an indictment on the Clippers' ability to win a title, but this is a team – that talks so much, and the whole year is about oh we're not going to rest on our we're not going to rest on our laurels. We're going to be competitive. We're going to be dogs. We're going to grind it out. You get fifty balled at home on a Sunday afternoon. 
This is their back to being like, yeah, see, we're 2-0, oh, beat the Lakers in August. We're good. We're fine. What do we... No, they're not. And if, by the way, the justification for this is, oh, they don't have Kawhi, well, then we got a problem. Because he's not making up 50 points. And you're a first-round exit if this is the type of performance you're going to put out there, whether Kawhi comes back or not. He'll be back, obviously. Yeah, and I know... Uh, yeah, and, and I know that Doc Rivers is gone, and and we talk about it in Miami. You mentioned the word culture, right? Like the culture for the Clippers, and maybe this comes from Steve Ballmer. And you, you you mentioned them being, you know, uh, like a, a bragging team, and, and Ballmer has a little bit of that about him. Like mm-hmm. I, I love him. I I probably want to have him be the owner of my team you know, more than the guy that owns the team that I do root for, uh, the New York Knicks. But but like maybe the culture kind of trickles down from there, and the culture doesn't. Like fully mesh really fast. How about the Brooklyn Nets? And, and in the first two games, they looked awesome. And, and maybe the uh, you know the win over the Warriors isn't as big. I'm loving what I'm seeing with the dynamic between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think this is something no, yeah. that we can get into. The Brooklyn Nets they do fall to the Charlotte Hornets, 106 to 104 uh, on Sunday. We'll dive into that. Start looking ahead towards the games coming up tonight. All that so much more. Ethan Kevin with on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You know what I love? Uh, It is the early line, Keith and Kevin, with you. I love when there's a guy like Terry Rozier that says, all right, so LaMelo Ball, you drafted him. You you want him to take my spot, but I'm going to go for 40 in game number one and hit 10 three-pointers. I'm going to dunk it on Kevin Durant, and I'm not going to give up that spot. Uh, Kevin, it leads me into the Brooklyn Nets, who got their first taste of defeat with the Durant and Kyrie team. Let's not care too much about that. As you are seeing it so far, how do you view this relationship on the court between Durant and Kyrie? We know they're boys off the court, but they, they look pretty good on the court so far. But, but I do think the off the court is important. For It does feel like Durant might actually be the perfect person to put next to Kyrie because Durant at this point, like he's at he's at a, he's at a point in his life where he just kind of acknowledges everything. He's not worried about it, and he's direct. He's like, yeah, whatever. Kyrie probably sprays incense before two gay games. He's a weird dude, but it is what it is. We're hoping, and like it works. It really, really does. This loss to the horn, like you said, the loss to the Hornets. It is what it is. People are going to lose games throughout the course of the season. No one's going seventy-two and zero. There's only five unbeaten teams left. One of them is the Cavs. Like teams are going to obviously lose their games. The fact that they lost this game with Durant having 29 and Kyrie having 25 and them both being plus 7, I would say the Karis Levert performance was a bit concerning, but he has a good shot at 6th man of the year. I, I just When I watch this team, Keith, especially over the first two games, the roster is so good. They're so deep, and they have the top-end talent. That's why the Harden trade I've had pauses on, because... And listen, at the end of the day, if you have Durant, Kyrie, and Harden, you probably take that. But they have two of the 
look, Durant's probably, for me, the second best player in the world, and Kyrie checks in somewhere in the top 15, and the way he's playing, that number will fluctuate a little bit, right? But then you've got a DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen pairing at the five. That makes all the sense in the world. You've got Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert that can rotate uh, as a sixth man of the year or a starting two-guard type of option. And is Joe Harris just not the perfect complementary piece to stretch the floor and knock down big threes when needed? Plus other guys, TLC, Torian Prince, Jeff Green, guys that can just come in and give respectable, serviceable minutes here. I love everything that Brooklyn is bringing to the table. Yeah, Landry Shamit, throw him in there as well. Brooklyn, yeah. you're right. They, they, can go, they can go 10 or 11 deep. A, a lot of this season will be contingent on Kevin Durant being Kevin Durant, and at least through three season, uh, three games, he, he looks like he's the KD of old, and Kyrie Irving looks to be engaged, and I, I'm, in, I'm in love with the game of Karis LeVert. I'm with you, though. If the opportunity to have James Harden paired with those two, it intrigues me, and I think that's a team that, you know, is virtually unstoppable on the offensive end of things. But as the, the Brooklyn Nets are, are built and constituted right now, it, it, I mean, you got the Bucks, you have the Nets, you have the Celtics, you have the, the Sixers and the Heat. All of these teams have, have, have an opportunity uh, to get their Bucks lost to the Knicks, got absolutely crushed. It was crazy. Um, how about those New York Knicks? And you mentioned undefeated teams. <laughs> Kevin, do you know that the Orlando Magic – are still 3-0, but how about these uh, the, these New York Knicks putting 130 points up on the Bucs? Like, well, I don't think we're allowed to hit a panic button three games into an NBA season, especially not in a shortened it, year. It's frowned upon. But 130 to the Knicks? What? Are you kidding me? That's unacceptable in the highest order. And think back to game one against the Celtics. The game that I hope is the low point for me as an NBA better with the Bucs uh, losing that game and the money. Oh, gosh, I cannot believe that game. But they gave up 120. Tatum and Brown looked like they were going to be co-MVPs by season end. Celtics offense hasn't looked the same since that game. Okay, they held the Warriors to 98. It's the Warriors at this point. I mean, it's like they look like a disaster. I mean, the Knicks shot 59.3% from three. What? Now, maybe that's an anomaly. Maybe it's an anomaly. But Milwaukee on the other end shooting 18% from three. Like, this is not how this is supposed to look. Every time they played the Knicks last year, it was a route burial blowout. Just ran them off the court. Milwaukee, and maybe you know what it is, Keith? Maybe for them, they've got to the top of the East two years in a row and it's amounted to absolutely nothing. They're just not as engaged in the regular season as they have been over the past two seasons. But I'm wondering if maybe that's the better way, right? We we saw the Lakers and LeBron James kind of last year still being the best team in the Western Conference, but picking their spots when to dominate teams. I wonder if Milwaukee mm. sits back and goes, all right, we can't coast through a regular season but well, we need to make sure that we are prepared for the postseason and go through the highs and lows, uh, albeit losing to the Knicks by 20, 130 to 110 is just not a good look for a Bucks yeah. team that wants to get to an NBA championship. Five NBA games on the slate tonight. Pistons, Hawks, Grizzlies, Nets, uh, Jazz and Thunder, Rockets and the Nuggets, Blazers and Lakers. Let's just run through these really fast and sure. kind of just break them down. Each one just a little bit. Uh, Pistons and Hawks. Hawks, as, as we stand here right now, nine and a half point favorites. Trey Young 
is looking every bit of the all-star that he was last year and 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 the guy that potentially could be one of the better scorers in the NBA. Dude's averaging 36, 36 and change points per game, mm-hmm. also eight assists per game. Yeah, I, I love everything Trey Young's bringing to the table. We might get Clint Capella's season debut here. The reality is the Pistons can't score the ball. And you might look at their overtime total against the Cavs, be like, oh, they got points. The only reason that that game went to double overtime is because the Pistons were scoreless in the final four minutes of that game against the Cavs. Nine and a half is a big number to lay, but a Pistons team total under seems like a nice way to maybe make a living. I like that too. Uh, nine and a half does does scare me as we sit here right near right now at what eight forty five, eight forty six in the morning on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Grizzlies and the Nets. I think Brooklyn will find a way to bounce back, but maybe lost in what Memphis is doing. You know, John Morant opened the season with forty four points, now averaging thirty six points per game, and he actually looks like his game is even better through the first you know two or three games of the season than it was last year, and he was awesome last year. Yeah, I, I love what I'm seeing from John Moran. Uh, I think that this team is going to be fun, but they need Jaron Jackson Jr. back to be competitive. I will just say, buyer beware. Six and a half feels low. Durant, Kyrie, first time this is going to be a back-to-back. I'm not sure if both are playing. Even if they're playing, it could be a minutes restriction. I would wait on this number. I'm with you. Kyrie averaging over 29 points per game. Kevin Durant putting in almost 27. Jazz at right now at seven and a half point favorites at the Thunder. Shea Gilgis Alexander's look good for OKC. Donovan Mitchell trying mm-hmm. to prove to everybody that he you know earned that big contract, averaging 20 and a half points per game, about five, six assists per game. Spida has looked good. How do you like this game? This is tough for me because the Jazz looked every bit as impressive as I thought they would an opening night. And then they let the Timberwolves catch a game off them in Utah, which was really surprising to me. The Thunder last year were ATS machines. Now, they've lost a lot of pieces, but maybe it just is time to roll with them until they let you down. They they covered and won outright as a dog in their opener against the Hornets. Here they are hosting the Jazz, like getting eight and a half points. I think the Thunder are actually kind of scary to bet against and until they actually start to play to the level that we think they will. Looks like uh, we just lost Keith there for a second. I'll continue to roll through this NBA slate for you guys, though. Two more games that we do want to bring up before we talk about the Monday night football. Denver hosting the Houston Rockets. And this is, again, it's another exciting game. Keith and I spent a lot of time talking here uh, about James Harden and his season debut. Who's available tonight for the Rockets? It seems like it'll be similar in terms of the, the players available to what was out there against Portland. Can you do that twice? Can you really be that competitive against a possible Western Conference playoff team twice with that kind of uh, players available to you? It's going to be a mountain to climb, I think, right? And it can Harden play up to that level twice? Probably. I I think he can, but it is a big ask. The other problem, though, is Denver's not looked the part, have they? Two games in, two losses, a home double overtime loss to the Kings that felt quite embarrassing. And uh, then again, the the Clippers kind of taking their lunch money from them. I know there was a push down the end there, but uh, the Nuggets ultimately not doing enough, certainly on the offensive side of the ball. 223.5 is a number that feels light on the total. I feel like this game should play towards the over. Denver needs the game uh, where they get right on the offensive side of the ball, and that Rockets defense might be enough to do it. So 
will kind of get a feel for if they can in this game. I think it's going uh, to be a really, really important game, though, for both squads. And then your final game on this NBA slate here, uh, the Lakers and the Blazers. No total on the board, and we've learned this here on the early line. When a total is absent, typically it means from the book they are uncertain on player availability. And I think the spread even goes further to show the book is uncertain on player availability from the Lakers. The Lakers only laying four to the Blazers. Compare that to the six and a half that they laid to the Dallas Mavericks, and the Mavericks are a team that I believe would be still power rated above the Portland Trail Blazers. Anthony Davis missed last night's game against the Timberwolves with a calf ish, uh, injury. Could that possibly be more than just rest uh, on the front end of a doubleheader? And maybe he's going to miss this game. Maybe they're worried about LeBron, whether it would be similar to what we talked about with Durant and Kyrie missing the game or, at the minimum, a minutes restriction. This is another spot here, guys. This is the early line. It's great to get early lines. And if you want to take a risk that AD and LeBron are out there and playing a full complement of minutes at minus four, you can beat that number. Yes, you can. Conversely, if you think AD and LeBron are unavailable at plus four for Portland, you can beat that number. I think, though, it might be a little bit more beneficial to give this some time to breathe and let's get a total on the board. Let's get a sense of how this game is going to look, who is in for us and who is out, and then go from there. I do want to switch over to Monday Night Football because we do have an AFCE showdown tonight, and this is a game uh, still with big-time playoff implications. But before we talk about those playoff implications, you see right there on the graphic, the Bills and the Pats. You've got the Bills laying seven. But what if I told you you could get the Bills getting 94 points, maybe 100 points? You'd say that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. Spread the love campaign over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. $50 max bet, so you can win $45 on a minus 110 number. You get the best of this number. Every single 1,000 customers that put in a bet here, 2,000 customers that put in a bet for the Buffalo Bills gets this number up. So this thing started at minus 7. And it is now at plus 94. I have the Spread the Love ticket in the back pocket, and you should too. Let's call it what it is, guys. It's a free $45. That's what it is. You max spec this thing, and you take advantage of a great little promo uh, promo here from the FanDuel Sportsbook. And now you feel like you have a little bit more wiggle room coming into this game. As far as a side goes, as far as a total goes, there's some interesting spots here, but if you've been following us on the early line, you know what the most important thing about this game is. Cam Newton's passing yards. I've been holding this over 2,499.5 passing yard prop from Cam Newton from the you know beginning of the year, and we need 119 yards. And I don't know if he's going to play Week 17. Dane certainly scared me enough to worry. But we can clear 119 in this game. His over-under is 168.5. Need Cam to fling this ball all over the park. When we come back, we will wrap up this edition of the Early Line and talk a little bit more Monday Night Football. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
All right, guys, welcome back. This is the early line right here on the Sports Grid. Final segment of the show. I want to make sure I thank uh, Keith Rizzeri for stepping up and an excellent job from him today. Unfortunately, uh, the internet connection, you know, it's tough these days. Everybody's been having some internet issues drop for him, but he'll be with us back here again tomorrow. And tomorrow, we will be recapping this Monday Night Football game that does have playoff implications between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. No longer for the New England Patriots. They have been eliminated from the playoff race. But the Buffalo Bills are fighting for seeding. And that chance to be the two-seed is valuable because if somebody does knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, then the AFC runs through Orchard Park. And more importantly, it at least gives them the ability to say that the earliest they could see the Kansas City Chiefs would be that AFC title game And let's be honest with ourselves, no matter how poorly that Chiefs team is playing, the later you see them, the better. I think the Buffalo Bills tonight here, it's a hard team to go against. And I know it's New England, and I know it's in Foxborough, but the Bills right now are playing really good football. I think they are willing to run it up. And the Pats last week against the Dolphins, once Stephon Gilmore left, it really was a change for this team. Again, I'm not going to lay the seven because I got the Bills getting 90-something points, maybe 100. I do think the over of 46.5 might have some meat on the bone because of the way that the Bills are playing. My absolute favorite bet on the board here, though, guys, Stephon Diggs over 83.5 receiving yards. He has gone over this number three games in a row, six of his last seven outings. Diggs has an opportunity to finish this season with the most receiving yards of any player in the league. He's 100 off the lead right now of Travis Kelsey, so keep your eye on Diggs. Finally, want to get this quick story in here. Yesterday, a former Cy Young was traded. Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays is now going to find a new home in San Diego with the Padres. I love how aggressive the Padres are staying. Keep your foot on the pedal. It was a great year for you last year. Continue that momentum, bringing in a guy like Blake Snell. As far as the Rays go, they have a track record of this working out for this team. They know when to move off of guys, and they know the prospects to get back. And it wouldn't surprise me in the long run if this works out for them again. But that'll do it for the early line. We keep it right here on the Sports Grid the morning after. It's up next.